we do have two mics. I um, thank you, Jordan, for what you said. Love you, man. Um, I asked Zane to keep playing. I want to do something first, uh, and I hope this would be on the podcast if if um, if Danny and and Lisa aren't aren't on the Zoom. When Tobias was born, come here, Tobias. Come here, buddy. When Tobias was born, he didn't he didn't really want to breathe at first. And we had a home birth in Colorado in Randy's mom's house, and that's a little bit scary when you're not anywhere close to a hospital. And you know, he was still receiving nourishment from the umbilical cord, and he was still, his heart was still pumping, and so we, we didn't like just freak out, but, but he wasn't breathing, and it took about five minutes. And when you're waiting for the first breath, five minutes is a long time. And I just kept saying, life to you in Jesus' name. I speak life to you in Jesus' name. I didn't know what else to say, so I just kept saying that. And then finally he took his first breath, and now he's full of life. There's one of our number who is clinging to life, fighting for life. Some of you know Danny. And my um, brother and I, we lost our father about 10 years ago. And um, so we, we know what this news can do to, to the family and to the one going through it. And so when you don't know how to pray, I think it's, I think it's okay to speak life. And so um, as Zane continues to play for a minute, I just want you in your own words to just speak life to Danny and life to the family. And along with the, the theme of what Toby shared, that, that hope would dawn. That hope would dawn and then with it would bring new strength. So in Jesus' name. I just, I just got word that, that Lisa just joined. And so, Lisa, we've just been praying for you guys. We've just been speaking life over you and over your situation, over Danny. We've been speaking life in Jesus' name. And we just release the kingdom of God to fight for you. We've been talking this morning about hope arising like the dawn. And we just release that over you, that hope would arise, that hope would dawn. And with it brings strength for you. Strength for Danny. Strength for your family. In Jesus' name, we bless you and we love you guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zane. 
Well, as, as Zane mentioned earlier, we, you know, we've been in a season of uh, a theme of gratitude and, um, and, and out of, out of gratitude, or uh, sorry, out of generosity, generosity. And a lot of times out of generosity, gratitude begins to flow because you realize, you realize, you know, how much we've been given. You, you realize how much you have in your hands. You start to realize you're not the source, right? When you're living in a generous way. And um, so today we're going to be talking a lot about thankfulness. That's going to be our theme today. And I want Randy to, to just share um, a little bit of an update um, for our, um, on behalf of us t- to you. So I think as many of you, as many of you know, um, we have had setback after setback, and you know, when Toby was talking about hope, it just really reminded me that by being here in this community and being in relationship with so many of you, that hope has been kept alive in our hearts. That yes, God has called us to this, and it's I just feel so carried. Um, by this community in a tough season when we've been in the depths of despair and discouragement, questioning everything. Um, And you guys, just the way you've come around us and encouraged us and spoken, um, you know, destiny over us and just the call that God has put on our lives, it's meant the world to us and has kept us moving forward one step at a time. Um, So we are preparing to move in early spring um, our baby is due in early January, and so once she's born, we'll need to apply for visas, and um, that's all in God's hands, just the timing of everything, but we trust that we'll be heading to England, to Oxford in early spring, um, and so we are currently in a season of fundraising. We are about 70% there, which is a huge testimony, praise God. Um, it's truly been a miracle, miracle after miracle to see the way that God has provided for us, mostly through this community, and I have just been so floored by your generosity, the ways that you have come behind us um, financially, but also with your encouragement, and in so many ways have supported us through this season, and so I could not ask for a greater body to be um, surrounded by and to be sent by. Um, And so we had the opportunity and beautiful privilege to be able to go to Oxford recently, and it was a wonderful time of just really God confirming and solidifying in our hearts that, yes, this is the place I've called you to, um, to actually walk the streets of this city. And at one point, we were kind of exploring this specific area where it has the most diverse international population in Oxford, and you're just brushing shoulders with people from all different religions and all different looks and ethnic backgrounds, and I just felt like I was in heaven and just dreaming of, of all that God would do um, through us and with us in that place. And so we plan to, to settle in in that part of Oxford um, and really immerse as a family. Um, we want our kids to know that they are going with us as missionaries, um, and so we're very excited for that. And uh, God has, has really just confirmed over and over that this is what I have for you, and he is making our steps sure, and he's providing. Um, And so we have 
been blessed to be able to share our vision specifically with, I think, most of you, but if there are any of you who haven't yet heard and are interested um, in meeting with us and hearing specifically the things that God has laid on our hearts and our vision, we'd love to have that time with you, um, so just let us know. But as you know, Jordan asked us to kind of have the focus of thankfulness, I cannot say more how grateful we are for each and every one of you, um, for how you've invested in our lives, in our, our kids. Um, you know, at first we were very frustrated at just the, the delays and how our timeline continued to be pushed back and all the unknowns, but we see so clearly now what a gift it has been to, to build deeper relationships with all of you, to have been here for an extended time. We found refuge here. Um, and so it's, it's just truly been a gift, and we're so grateful and very thankful for all that God has done um, as we've been here. So thank you so much. I, I want to I talk to you a little bit. Um, yeah, and I want to just echo Randy's words. We are thankful for you guys. I was torn between... Going around the room and one by one, I can tell you, each of you in here, something that I'm thankful for um, because you all have impacted our lives in, in such profound ways. Um, except maybe those of you who are new, I would just kind of maybe wing it with you. Um, <laughs> um, but I want to, I want to, I'm going to. I'm going to preach uh, this message in, a, in kind of reverse order. I want to end with the sacred text. So kind of wrapping up. Instead of starting with that and giving you kind of my interpretation of it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with some things that I see and then wrap up with, um, with the words of the Apostle John. Um, I, I've, I've titled this, I'll, I'll say this, I'm thankful for our village. When we meet together as a staff um, on Wednesdays, uh, a few months ago, several months ago now, we were talking about our values. I guess it was the beginning of the year, the end of last year. What are our values? What are kind of the pillars that hold this place up? And I don't mean this room, but I mean this community. And one of them, Jordan said, what about village? And we were like, yeah, that sounds cool. What does that mean? How is village, you know, a value? But it felt right, and he explained what he meant, and um, and we've talked about that since. Um, what what does village look like for us? You know, village looks like community, but it looks a little bit more like community than community, if that makes sense. Um, we uh, had the privilege of of going to the Philippines in 2013 and we did some ministry and Randy and I actually lived in a slum for a week. This uh, slum was called San Isidro on the island of Iloilo because some words are so good you have to say them twice. <laughs> San Isidro was a village but it was um, it was a village um, that that just sort of happened after a major typhoon swept through the Philippines. And these people 
came to this place, and it was built by Habitat for Humanities, and it was thrown together quickly, and it was a relocation project. And, and I, I want to say this as my, as my first point. Clearpath is where village happens. You know, um, there are some pros and cons of village. And I, I, hope this, I hope this term catches. Clearpath is where village happens. Um, in a village, you have to pull together. And sometimes that, sometimes that means people from different backgrounds pulling together. Sometimes that means people from with different ideologies pulling together. But in a village, you have to pull together. In a village, we all have a place. I don't mean we all have a role, but we all have a place. You know, sometimes it's easy to think of like, well, how do I fit in? And the first thing you think of is, what can I do to fit in? But if you think of it as in that we all have a place, it doesn't really matter what you do. You have a place, and you have a place here. And out of that can grow something to do. Out of that can, can produce your unique gift being offered up to the village, to the community. You, in a village, you, you all have a place. There are some cons, though. When we lived in that, little, in, that, um, in that slum, the walls between each house were about four-inch uh, poured concrete. So there, there, wasn't, there wasn't any insulation between you and, and the neighbors. Um, even when we lived in Thailand, we had, we had concrete walls, and you could hear you could hear when the neighbors were fighting, when the neighbors were arguing, and guess what? The neighbors could hear when we were arguing. In a village, there's not much, in, not much insulation. Our walls are thin. And so because of that, fake just doesn't work here. It just doesn't. That's okay. We all come in with a little fake. We all come in with a little fake. We, it's called putting your best foot forward, right? We all do that, and that's okay. We want to present ourselves as having it together, as knowing what we're about. But let's be honest. Real life brings with it issues, and eventually you have to stop living with your best foot forward all the time. So if I distill all that down, I'm thankful for your authenticity in an age of filters. We have been real with each other. You have been real with each other, uh, with, with someone in this room. And for this to work, we have to continue to be real with one another. Clear path is where village happens. Um, for this next one, I want a little bit of audience participation. Um, does anybody know uh, the movie, the iconic Christmas classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, narrated by the great Burl Ives? Is anybody familiar with that story? 
Does anybody know it well enough to give us a quick overview of what happens? You can just chew for it, and if you're, if you're missing something key, we'll help you out. Don't worry. Anybody want to give it a shot? <laughs> I know it's not yet Christmas, so it's been almost as long as it could have been for you to have seen this movie. Anybody want to give it a shot? Okay. Okay, so we start off, we're in the North Pole, and we've got Santa Claus's um, workshop and the reindeer. And there's one reindeer who has a particularly bright red nose. And the other reindeer, they pick on him for it. They're like, your nose is weird. And they bully him. And then, and, and Rudolph's red nose reindeer, he's like really sad. He's like, oh, my red nose, I can't do anything about that. And then one, Chris, I think it's Christmas night, it's like a really, really dark, cloudy night. And Santa Claus is like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not going to be able to see. Like, how am I going to get all these presents to these kids? And then he, like, looks over at Rudolph, and his bright red nose is over there, and he's like, Rudolph, come here. Rudolph, come here. <laughs> I need you to leave my sleigh, because it's too dark outside. And Rudolph's like, me? And he's like, yes, you. I need you. And so then Rudolph leads through the night, in the, through the dark night with his bright red nose, and everybody's like, yay, Rudolph's so great with his bright red nose. So what was seemed weird and unique actually became what they needed to do what they needed to do. That's so good. That's my second point. Um, there's also a lot in the middle. Um, no, no, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that you, you. No, that's what I, that's what I was hoping for. But let's all remember there was an elf who didn't like to make toys. Right? He wanted to be a. Uh, Dentist. Very good. He wanted to be a dentist. They, they, they ran away and they ended up on an island of misfit toys. Each toy had something wrong with it, right? They met Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> and they did, they, they were going to battle against the, the, the Bumble. What, what, was these, what was he called? The big um, abominable snowman, yes. Yeah, didn't they call him a bumble? Um, but then, do you remember what happened? He was angry, but why was he angry? He had a toothache, right? And, and didn't, didn't the elf who wanted to be a dentist help him out? And then he put the star on the top of the tree because he was so tall? Okay, what am I saying with this? Well... Clear path is clear path is for misfit toys. <laughs> we are, we are for misfit toys, and in an effort to bring in a little bit of comedy, um, there there is something strange about each one of you. <laughs> something a little off. There's something unique about you, and. And let me say this, Jordan said this one time, we were talking, and the world needs people who stand out rather than people who fit in. You know, what, what caused Rudolph great shame actually became his strength. 
You were singing this morning that, that line, the powerful line, um, the shame that took our voice. To that shame, we roar. Um, you know, your core quirk might just lend itself to your gift. Um, I was going to pick on a few people, but I'm not going to because I don't want to make it about that. But I was going to talk about some situations that I know of how people have overcome. Well, I'll, I'll use Benedict for an example. <laughs> Benedict, where are you from? From Germany, the Texas of Europe. He's conforming. You are conforming. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this the the this man who hails from the from the place where that that claims many of the greatest classical music composers um instrument makers plays with some soul. Did y'all hear that this morning? With some soul. I mean like where did you figure that out? Um, you know, we we all we all can can sort of be a walking con contradiction at times. But I'm thankful. If I distill all that down, I'm thankful, and I made this word up. So listen to it, and then I'll unpack it. I'm thankful for unique your. I'm thankful for your uniqueness. In an age of concealment, That's, that unique uniqueness is a, is a blend of two words: unique, of course, and nakedness. I'm I'm thankful that you're willing to be vulnerable with the things that have maybe once brought you shame. We've heard many people share share from this from this pulpit. Things that brought them shame that God has brought them through and passed and now empowers them in a, in a unique way. And I'm thankful for that in an age of concealment. My next point is, um, I was thinking about my high school years. I went to West Mesquite High School just, just over the, the highway there, down the highway, I guess. Um... And all through my high school years, I really struggled with feeling like I couldn't fit in. Like, I, I didn't really fit in with the, the jocks and the athletes. I mean, I, I had a lot of friends who were, but I felt like I didn't really fit in. I, because, because I was in AP classes... <laughs> But then I, I was in a, these AP classes, but I, I felt like I didn't really fit in with the smart kids either. You know, like, I, I, f I felt like I really struggled to fit into these different places, and it wasn't until my time there was over that I realized, actually, I connected with a lot of, I could, I could connect with any of the groups. I didn't fit in, but I connected with, with each of them. And I had friends from all the groups. 
And this idea of bring a, being a bridge person has been something that I think about often. Being a bridge person. And I don't mean like the bridges you see here. I mean more like a tension bridge. You know, like um, imagine a rope bridge crossing two, uh, crossing a valley that's, that's hooked onto the side of two mountains. And this rope bridge is holding in tension these two opposing points enabling people to cross. Um, so you could think of it like um, maybe in a culturally way. I think many of you in this room um, can probably think of oppose, opposing things, seemingly opposing things that, we, that you hold in, in, in um, intention. So think of it in a cultural way. Well, maybe some of you are biracial. Maybe um, some of you were brought up in a way that was, that was like kind of rounded so that you don't really have like a, a people. Um, I was born in this tiny town in Oklahoma. My brother and I were. And then we moved to Dallas. It was like, I feel like I come from two worlds. I feel at home in the country. But then I, I start to miss the city if I'm there for a long time. But if I'm here for a long time, I, I want to go to, this, to the country. So like, there are kind of like these cultural things that maybe you hold in tension. Maybe ideologies. And maybe even as a couple or a unit, you hold, these, um, you hold some things in tension. Um, these are things that you bridge. You bridge the gaps of these, of these things. You can think of it in in, the, in theological ways. There may be things that you, you you maybe you hold in tension because you kind of believe this one thing, but then also you 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 believe this one thing. I'll give you an easy example of this: is um, free will versus God's sovereignty. I believe that God gives us free will, but I also believe He's sovereign, and so I have to kind of hold these things in tension. These are things that we become the bridge for. And in being a bridge, you enable people from you enable people to walk from one side, maybe the side that they hold dear. Um, you you enable them to cross and to be more um, more. Maybe you can enable them to be a little more open with things, and in that way, experience the world, experience God, experience each other in a more full and vibrant way. So if I distill that down, I want to say I'm thankful for your shaky middle in an age when many are choosing certainty at the polar ends. One time Jordan told me, he's, this was back in the, the run-up to the elections, he said, man, when I talk to Democrats, they think I'm a Republican. When I talk to Republicans, they think I'm a Democrat, you know? That's, an ex that's a prime example of what I mean. It's like you hold things in tension. So much so that people mislabel you. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to be caught somewhere in the middle and hold those things in tension because you become an opportunity for someone to, to gain a little bit more well-rounded worldview. So I guess if I titled this village, I would say it's, uh, if I, if I titled, titled this message, I would say, I would call it village, uh, I'm sorry, misfit village of bridges. 
or a village of misfit bridges or bridges to a misfit village. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. So I want to say again, I'm thankful for your authenticity. And for village to work, we have to be authentic. I'm thankful for your uniqueness. And for village to work, we have to carry that. We have to carry that. And I'm thankful for your shaky middle. Now, let's see. If you were following, i got to get my Bible. If you were following, I'm curious what That was awkward. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, I don't do this often. <laughs> I told Jordan, or I, may have, I may have shared this with you guys. I, I, um, you know, I, was, I was a missionary in Thailand, and so most of the time when I got to preach, I had an interpreter. And so sometimes while, while I'm preaching, I just stop and look to the right. And then realize I'm not waiting for someone to say what I'm saying. Um, yeah, thank you. You know what? I was going to say this too. Before I read this, um, Randy, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. And, uh, you know, as I said, I'm from Oklahoma. And... Uh, up there, we might say something like, you good woman. <laughs> you good woman. <laughs> That's my heart language <laughs> right there. Coming out of my mouth, it happens. She's a good woman. I want to read to you from 1 John 3.16. And just receive these words. This is John talking to the followers of Jesus in an age when a lot of adversity, a lot of things were coming against them. And he said this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that belonging, that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from Him everything that we ask. Because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command. To believe in the name of His Son Jesus Christ. And to love one another as He has commanded us. To the one who keeps God's commands. And lives in Him and He in them. Oh, the one who keeps God's commands lives in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Dear friends, let us love, this is, I'm going on to 4 verse 7, if you're following. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God 
and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your love that has been lavished on us, poured out among us. You said there, if anyone, if anyone sees a brother in need, sees a sister in need, I pray that if we do, See, the, see those in need, that we would have compassion on them. That we would be the hands and feet of Jesus. But also pray that you would help us to look for them. Pray that you would help us to be authentic. To love authentically. Help us to recognize that we don't have to hide our faults. And help us to do my third point, whatever it was. What was my third point? Yeah, help us to hold things in tension. To be the bridge that, that other people can cross. In Jesus' name, amen. That was really excellent. I want to I want to share in just right off of what Ryan said. I uh it was really interesting. I kind of briefly alluded to this, but in prayer this morning, we kept praying we kept praying over this um this idea that that God was making our church like a garden and then you guys sung this and just it like if you were sitting in prayer today, you would have seen that like all the things we were prayed about were like docked about today, not not, not intentionally. Um, um, but I was we were at so two quick stories just to like really affirm what was said this morning. I was we were at this concert last night, and the musician I'm not necessarily affirming his life or whatever he is a good musician. I can't speak to anything else, but he sang this song. He said, uh, said turn, the line was, turn off the news and build a garden with me. And it just like, as soon as he sang it, it like hit me like so hard that we have the possibility in community to build 
something together that has an eternal resonance with people around us. And there's all of this distraction that brings hopelessness, that brings unfruitfulness, that brings disconnectedness, that brings lack of belonging. And if we just turn off the whatever it is, we'll recognize that God's building a garden in us. Simple put. That day I was also camping with Eden. We'd go on these like daddy-daughter campouts with the other daughters in the grade, which actually turns out to be dad campout and daughters campout. <laughs> honestly, it's I get to chat with her on the way down, the way back, and then the rest of the time she goes and finds rocks with her friends. This dad was just like kind of like kind of opening up with me and he was just like, I don't know, I just what does it mean to even have identity in Christ? He, somehow this came up and I'm like just, you know, like people are talking about Ted Lasso and, you know, commenting on camping gear. And then all of a sudden I ended up in this conversation where he's like, what does that even mean, identity in Christ? And I shared to him how so often I have thought of identity of Christ as like, I'm just going to connect directly to God and that's my identity. And yet the reality is when we look at Scripture, we see a lot of people's stories whose identity in Christ is framed around the events and especially the people in their lives. More like a garden than a single plant. So I think that there's something to God is not just forming you in an identity with Christ. He's forming us in the identity of Christ. That part of this community, and what Ryan read, is that no one has seen God, so we love one another. And as we do that, what does it say? Love is made complete in us. It's an incomplete expression of love or identity in Christ to be doing it alone. And when we come together as the misfits, as the transparent ones with thin walls, the one holding all of life's tensions together, love is made complete in us. So your identity in Jesus is not just your life, you, your connection with God. It is, it is your village. It is your garden. Um, and so with that in mind, I want us to come to the table. Um, and obviously we won't physically break bread this morning, but we're going to receive bread that's been broken. And we will come back to receive individually. And so... Um, but together. And so I want you to just come and grab the elements in mind, in this, this, this thing in mind, that, that we are a community that, we're, that we can be thankful for, and it's part of the, God's expression of His identity in us, is us together. So, you can come.